Welcome to GayRomance.show, the MM author podcast where we get to hear from the writers of our favorite LGBTQ fiction and their collaborators. We're talking about the creative process behind these characters and their worlds. I'm your host, Slade James. It is Monday, August 17th, 2020, as I record this introduction. This week, I'm speaking with LGBTQ plus romance author Mia Monroe creator of the new best-selling series Tattoos and Temptation. The first two books in that series, Marry Me and Fix Me, are both currently on the charts, with a third book, Free Me, coming out next month. Mia is a newer author to many of us, and I was fortunate to catch her right as she's emerging on everybody's radar. We talk about how she went from creative burnout only a few months ago to learning how to trust her instincts more as an author, using an alpha reader collaboration to speed up her writing process, All of it leading to a major creative breakthrough and newfound success. For those of you who are also up and coming or future authors, her story is especially inspiring. And as always, it's cool to hear an author talk about her process and the ideas behind her books. My conversation with Mia is coming up in just a few. In personal news, I just received feedback from beta readers on my own first contemporary M.M. Romance Novel. I'm incorporating their suggestions into some final edits, and I'm excited to share more about that in the very near future, so please stay tuned. My boyfriend Stephen and I are celebrating our first anniversary next week. If you're listening at the time of this episode's release and you have any inspired ideas about what kind of gifts I could give him, I'm here for that. Shoot me a message on Facebook or email me. He won an overnight stay in a fishing cottage that's tucked away on a lake in a cove in the mountains of northwest Georgia, which is close to where he lives. We normally do enjoy a lot of isolated, outdoorsy activities, so with the pandemic, our go-to dating revolves around pretty much kayaking, hiking, and playing disc golf. Major out-of-town trips are pretty difficult for everybody right now, so we've been holding on to this voucher as a getaway. And if it works out with our schedules, I'm going to propose we spend it on our anniversary. Thanks to May, by the way, if you're listening, for that suggestion. It was sitting right there in front of my face. Stephen has a small business where he makes and sells natural medicines and homeopathic remedies. So... He's actually one of the only people I know whose business has actually thrived because of the pandemic. We've been busy moving him to a newer, bigger, better location for his shop. And of course, all of that has been going down as I'm trying to finish a book. But I really can't complain. I'm very proud of him. It could not be happening to a more deserving person. And we're both getting to work hard doing things we love. So... COVID aside, it's a lot of good creative stress in my world right now. I hope you and your loved ones are healthy and weathering 2020 as well as can be expected. I'm happy to provide some more content and virtual socializing to keep you company. Before I forget, I want to say a quick thank you for sharing the show with friends and leaving a review on iTunes. Both of those are entirely free ways you can support this show that have a huge positive impact on its visibility. 
I also want to thank you for pledging your support on Patreon. It demonstrates that you're enjoying the show and you want it to continue. That's very encouraging to me. To find out how you can become a patron and support my time in producing more and more of these episodes, please go to patreon.com slash James. So I suppose I was always a writer in some aspect, right? Which I think is probably pretty common for a lot of people who do this. Uh, I was very interested in, in school and I actually ended up getting my bachelor's degree in creative writing and English. I was focused in my early years, I was more focused on sort of nonfiction writing, even though I never did anything with that. I would just write things about topics that I enjoyed. I'm sort of a history buff. Well, I wouldn't say I'm a buff. I'm probably more of a history geek. Like I don't know a lot about a lot of things, but I'm really hyper interested in history. So I did a lot of nonfiction sort of writing on an amateur level for sure. And then I would say I had a few little articles published here and there on like online magazines because my aunt was a writer and she she used a little nepotism there and got me published in a couple of articles. But then I didn't really do anything with it. I wasn't interested in pursuing like traditional publishing. So I never did anything. And then, you know, there was sort of an explosion in, in self-publishing again, as we're all well aware of a few years ago. And I dabbled a little bit in uh, male-female writing, uh, romance, for a little while under a completely different name. It, it didn't really take off for me, and I didn't, I didn't have as much passion for it as I think I probably needed to have in terms of the business side of it. I, I loved writing, but the business side of it, I didn't have that. So I, I stepped back. And then in sometime in 2019, I guess, I just had this crazy idea after reading MM novels. I thought, I wonder, I wonder if I could. So I gave it a shot. And that's when my first MM book was written, which was Deviate. And that was out in June 2019. And then I wrote Damage and I wrote The Secrets We Keep, which was released last February. And then I sort of just hit like burnout big time and I took a step back and um, I just started reading everything in this genre and discovering all these amazing authors. And it really refilled my well, it refilled my creative streak, it refilled my desire to be part of this community not just because of the writing, but because of the people that I was interacting with uh, online, from the readers to the authors. And that's when I sat down, probably in March, and I started writing What Became Marry Me. That recently? Yes, oh, that God. recently. I'm so yep. jealous of you for producing <laughs> that much content. And that I, in March, I was still like reeling from like COVID interrupt us um, and yeah. trying to like find my head again. Um, yes, COVID was definitely a a thing, and I, I actually think it helped me sort of go within and away from what was happening in the world around me, and I I was able to write. At, at an alarming rate for me. And I wrote, I wrote the first three books in about a three month period. Wow. That's impressive. 
we'll we'll talk about your creative process in a minute because I want to hear mm-hmm. like how that how that lays out. Um, I'm just curious if you remember like what your first MM romance novel was. I absolutely do. I had a friend that told me, demanded actually, that I read N.R. Walker's 65 Hours. And I said, okay, you know, sure, I guess, why not? I've never read anything like that, but if you're singing its praises, I'll read it. And it was one of those situations where you sat down and you opened up the first page, you know, electronically, and you didn't move until you were done with it. It was, mm. I was so sucked in and I thought, I, I had no idea this existed. This is, this is amazing. So yes, that, that I will always remember that book. Have you read Galaxies and Oceans? No. That's the N.R. Walker book that I was introduced to that author on. And it's one of my favorites. So just throwing it out there <laughs> for you. I will, I will take a look. I've read several, several of her books, of course. Um, but I will add that one to the to the TBR. Oh yeah, it's it's good. Um, who are some of the authors? Like, can you name some people who who you sort of feel like are influences? Or I guess a better way to put this, because so many of them may be your friends or not or whatever. But who are those people that you read and you're like, oh my god, I wish I could write like this person? Nev Wilder, absolutely. Same. Yes, I read. I read Want Me, and I I remember there were points where I would stop and think, "Oh my gosh! Like how how do I how do I get to this level? Like how do I do this to somebody while they're reading?" <laughs> I, I wanted mm-hmm. I wanted the way that I felt. I wanted to be able to do that to someone else. It was it was such an experience. And and if she listens to this, I know she'll probably. <laughs> I don't know how she'll react, actually, but um, I know I'm not alone in in thinking what a masterpiece uh, want me want me is. Yes, yeah, she's mortified with, with both of us right now. But <laughs> <laughs> I figured, yeah, um, it's yeah. She's going to stop. <laughs> um, but she's yes, worthy. She- praise yes she is comfortable with it or not (laughs) she's a cool person and a friend of ours too so we're allowed to embarrass the crap out of her (laughs) um so yeah is there is there anybody else that that you kind of have read lately that that made you feel that same sense of like wanting to raise your bar i guess yes um so definitely nev and then I've read a few books by Jay Northcote that also really, really moved me. Um, I am trying to think. I'm reading one now that is, so was recommended to me, way outside of a genre I don't normally read, but the writing is, is also that. It's, it's, wow, let me up my game here a little Mm -hmm. bit because it's so it's not only descriptive but it it just captures the nuances of each character's personality extremely well like you always know which person is talking which person is thinking it's very clear on the page because they're also very distinct and I think that's a, a very strong skill to have especially with numerous people 
uh, in a in a story when there's lots of side characters or, or you know, a, an ensemble group of people. I think it's a definite skill set to be able to make sure that people know, no, this person is speaking now because that person's voice is so clear on the page. I have to tell you, I think that you handle um, ensemble cast really well. That was something that I noticed right away is I didn't feel lost in in wondering who it was you were talking about and you created this really cool kind of distinct group of people there are a lot of scenes in um, Marry Me um, one of your later one of your newer books where they're like going out to bars together and stuff and there's a you know a whole group of friends like sitting around talking and those scenes are really hard to choreograph I guess and I felt like that was very it felt very effortless in um in your books so it makes sense that if you've been focusing on that um, (laughs) yeah it's it's you pull it off um so give me an idea like take me back to this moment with um back in the spring when you said you wrote these three books basically in a three-month period so what is that creative process look like for you just walk us through it nerd it out as much as you want to (laughs) so I I knew for a long time that I wanted to do a series uh, an interconnected series with a group of people that you know were involved in each other's lives and I didn't know what that looked like I didn't know if they would be you know, friends or a family business or school or, you know, I didn't know what the setup was going to be. But I knew that that was my ultimate goal is to create some kind of world that I could stay in and that I could create, you know, different books in that world and really geek out on all the tropes that I liked so much. Because I didn't want a series that was sort of one trope, if you will, because I'm sort of a I have so many things I want to write. So I felt like if I could create this world where all of these little tropes could fit into, that would be really sustainable for me and really something that would make me happy and would give me a lot of passion writing. So I knew it would probably be something tattoo related because I'm a sucker for a pretty boy with tattoos and and many, many people are many readers of this genre are um but I thought well gosh there's so many tattoo focused series out there that are already so good Kylene's um you know Heathens was was one that came to mind and there's many more so I thought well you know maybe that's not I don't I don't want to be trying to recreate something that's already really good so then it just sort of popped into my head one day I was like what about little bakers like <laughs> what about a little bakery and and then Jude and Briar from Marry Me became very clear to me one of them a baker one of them a tattoo artist best friends and I, I love the fake relationship trope um, so all of a sudden it just sort of materialized in my head that hey I could make a series of this I could have the guys that work at the bakery and the guys that work at the tattoo shop and you know, maybe sometimes they fall in love with each other. Maybe sometimes they don't fall in love, you know, one from each shop kind of thing. But I could have fun with tropes. I could really expand this world. There's a multitude of of different characters that you can have in each book. And then as I started to sort of 
think out marry me and think about the the pieces that would go into that I really just sat down and I said you know what are the tropes I want to write who are the characters that I want to have books you know the main characters in the story that I wanted to have books um, what you know where can I start to plan these out and then it from there it was just sort of I guess easy because I knew what the first three or four tropes would be. Actually, I knew what the first five tropes would be. So that's why it was so easy to write the first three books. I had planned who the couples were going to be. I had planned what the tropes were going to be so I could build their stories into each book. Like everybody reading Marry Me suspected that Saint and Casper would be the next book because Mm -hmm. their story started to show up in marry me but uh to your point about the nightclub scenes and when they're all hanging out i'm always aware of first of all whose next book it's going to be and um which dynamics i want to highlight in each book even if they're just little glimpses of what's to come later so that's really how it happened for me i just sat down i opened a document i I knew where I was going to go with Jade and Briar or Jude and Briar. And I just started going. And to, to my surprise, after suffering, truly the word suffering with, with burnout and um, my creativity muse had deserted me and um, I was having a lot of day job stress and then COVID happened and all these things were happening around me. Right. Um, It was, it was pleasantly shocking to me how swiftly um, Jude and Briar's story came out of me. It was a matter of weeks, and the first draft was done. And then I, I was itching, like I knew, like I have to get, I have to get Saint and Casper, you know, out of me. So it was just an immediate go straight into. I didn't even stop to, you know edit or do anything to book one. I just went in straight to book two. I have an alpha reader um, relationship that did so much for me. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about fix me more in a little while, but that it just did so much for me as far as the confidence building, knowing that I was not only doing the right thing as far as the trope is concerned, but I was, I was writing a good story. You know, sometimes when you're a writer, it's so independent and you're so in your own head mm-hmm. that you don't, you don't really know how, if it's good, you don't know where it's at until you start to get other feedback. And by then you're done. You're basically done. You know, if you're doing the beta round or what have you. So having an alpha reader during the process of, of fix me, I didn't have her during marry me, but I had her during fix me. And that was, that was huge as far as just pushing my confidence and inspiration through that book. How much time, if I could take you back for a second, when you were kind of planning and plotting those three books, like how detailed is that? Do you take a few days and just sort of write some rambling notes or are you, you know, are you pantsing these books or is it all very, very planned out? No, I'm definitely pantsing through them. Um, mm. I I know when I start the book, I know what the trope is. I know obviously who the players are. Maybe I have an idea of two or three scenes that I know are going to be in there. 
Um, basically, what I what I do before I start the next book, and I, I don't know if this is going to sound weird. I hope other authors do this too, so that I don't sound weird. But um, I sort of daydream about them, about who the players are. You know, intentionally daydream about them. How do I see them meeting? Um, how do I see their first interaction going? What pivotal things, what's the conflict, what pivotal parts of their characters are there going to be? So I sort of map it out in my mind Mm -hmm. more than sitting down in paper and doing Mm -hmm. it that way. So I, I, when I start a book, I have a very strong, usually a very strong beginning. Uh, I know exactly where I'm starting and then usually a pretty strong middle where the kind of conflict sort of happens. And then I know what the HEA is going to be. And it's always going to be an HEA, of course, because it's romance and, and I like HEAs. So, um, so I think that's my, I think that's mostly my, my process. I do write out of order with this series. I've noticed, um, I just write the big scenes that come to me and then I build the story kind of around those scenes. Mm -hmm. And then since you've read one of them, at at least I know that I have these chapter headings, right? Mm -hmm. And so the chapter headings are kind of like parts for me and they're sort of my guide on how I know where the story's going and what, what elements are going to be in each one of those sections. Here's a question that I have for you, and I always want to ask everyone who produces really quickly, um, because let's say you're writing and it's like, you know that you need something to happen at a certain point in the book. It's like an 80% mark, and it's like kind of not working. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, that's not the, I need to think of something cooler than that. And for me, like, Sometimes I have to wait a really long time for that penny to drop. Like I have to go about my life and work on other things and then, you know, have that moment in the shower where I'm like, oh my God, I've got it. And I always <laughs> wonder with people who write really quickly, do you hit those points where you're like, I'm not really sure what's supposed to go here. I'm just going to let it sit for a minute and come back to it. Like what, how do you experience that whole phenomenon? Yeah, so it definitely happens to me. Uh, sometimes I'll get to a point where I think, hmm, I wonder if this part is sort of, is this kind of boring? Especially that middle where things haven't really gone awry yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know they're coming. And you're sort of in that lull period. I think, you know, am I adding enough that's keeping the reader engaged? Is this boring? Um, I, I did have, uh, with, my la- with the last book, which was book four, I just finished... I guess a week ago or so, I I did have a little struggle with some plot points. And that's what I think the alpha reader is so ideal for. Because she's completely, she's as immersed in the story as I am. She knows what's happening as much as I do. I don't have to explain anything to her. She's been reading along. And she's read all the other books in the series, so she knows the before that too. So if I say, this is where I'm stuck, or this is what I'm, thinking should happen next what do you think about that she can sort of help me untangle those plot points that are getting me stuck uh and that helps me just blow through that obstacle and get back on track and start writing ah so you're using a second brain <laughs> yes absolutely a second brain. <laughs> a second brain yeah 
I personally hope that I always have this relationship because it it has done so much for me as a writer. She has made me better. Um, she will immediately point out that was way too much telling. Um, you need to break that down and show more. And I'll look at it and go, oh, yeah, totally it is. And then I'll fix it in the moment. You know, I'll fix it while I'm still in that scene. Because she'll, she'll read. We read every day. I do the same for her. So she'll say, I wrote chapter 10. And I'm like, I wrote this new section. And we'll go read them in, in that same t- day, basically, or within you know a short amount of time after. And give immediate feedback so you can adjust and fix right away. So if people don't have alpha readers i don't think they're easy to come by because it's it's a relationship and it's Mm -hmm. a thing of trust but um i think they're i think it's super invaluable now especially to my process uh for one producing so quickly uh, and getting out of your head more because you're getting that immediate feedback wow yeah that's a really that's a really illuminating thought. Like I want one now. I'm just going to put it out to the universe <laughs> that I want. <laughs> You'll so- get one, Slade. <laughs> it is it, it, the thing about letting somebody read your rough shit uh-huh. is a very vulnerable situation Absolutely. to be in, and you've got a yes. real. That's a really special connection to have with someone. It is, and that first time is terrifying. Um, because you think, oh my God, what if they come back and tell me? I'm sorry, but this is just terrible. (laughs) And you have to, you know, you have to process that. But also, you know, there's your ego there. You don't want to be embarrassed in front of a colleague. And you think, well, I mean, and so my attitude was, if she tells me it sucks, then she did me a favor. That was my attitude. It's going to, it's going to (laughs) hurt. But if she tells me it sucks, it's for my own good. Um, Fortunately, she didn't tell me that, but she has helped me step up my game in, in terms of writing for sure. Oh my gosh. That's, that's really, really cool that you have that. And and that's your secret weapon. It sounds like, um, yeah, there was something that you and I had chatted about this sort of concept of learning to trust your instincts. And it goes along with that idea of, okay, I'm working on this thing and I have no idea if this story is going to appeal to other people and I'm deep in my own head. So, Mm -hmm. you know, this is something that I do generally struggle with is, you know, overanalyzing, um, you know, trying to shut out the, the analysis and, and, and try to be true to the story, at least when you're first creating it. So talk to me about what you meant by learning to trust your instincts. Yes. So I think that a lot of this can come from what type of personality you have. I am the type of personality that seeks a lot of external validation, which can be both good and not good, (laughs) (laughs) especially when you're, when your chosen industry is something that is, is personal to you, but also commercial, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're putting, when, at least when I'm putting my words out, I am putting myself into that. I cry when I write. I am, I guess I can say this, I am at times aroused by what I'm writing. <laughs> uh, is that okay to say? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I feel what my characters feel, right? So I'm putting myself out there. 
and then to say now I'm going to put it out for public consumption and take take their feedback is challenging for my personality type but it's also it's fuel <laughs> so it's like this double-edged sword for me um so at times I would take in too much external feedback and I would end up with nothing mm -hmm. because the con the content that I was getting was conflicting, right? So for example, I'll, I'll use a beta read scenario. And, you know, one beta says this about a scene. Another beta says the opposite about that scene. Another beta suggests something totally different for that scene. If you don't have your own vision and trust in yourself and what you wanted for those characters, you will just be stuck. You won't know which one of those people you should listen to. Mm. You have to have your own vision for it and be grounded in it. So now what I have learned is to take the feedback and decide if it's valid for me and the vision that I wanted for that character. I still want the feedback. I, I feel like, as I was saying about the alpha process, it makes you better when someone is providing constructive feedback. Obviously there's plenty yes. of stuff that isn't constructive and <laughs> isn't going to help anybody do anything except take a shot. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, when people are trying to, when people are giving you constructive feedback, there's always some gem in there that you can pull out, but you have to know your own voice. You have to know what your own vision was so that you can then say, does this feedback align with what I want for these characters? Does it align for what I want for the story? And if it does, great, make the change. If it doesn't, thank the person for their feedback and their opinion and move on and be confident that you made the right decision for your story. Does any of that relate to, or I guess a better question is how does that relate to the creative burnout period that you got to? Yeah, that is a um, great segue because it was almost <laughs> entirely because of that. It was, it was, listening to advice, um, not directed towards me, but listening to all the other success stories of other authors, reading all the posts in um, author groups about what worked for them and marketing things that they're doing and stories they were writing and tropes they were focusing on. It was beta feedback. It was reader feedback. It was a lot of feedback. Mm. And uh, I couldn't sort through it all. And I ended up feeling like, when I when I hit sort of the pinnacle of the burnout phase, I think I felt like maybe I wasn't doing the right thing. Maybe maybe writing wasn't for me, or I should say, publishing wasn't. Hmm. Um, maybe I didn't have what it took, if you will, to um, to make the business side of it work for me, because I felt so overwhelmed by all of the input that I was getting and I would try it. I would do, well, so-and-so said this works and then, and then I would do that and it didn't work. And so-and-so said you should write this and then I did that and it didn't work. And so I thought, well, maybe it's just not for me. Like everything I try doesn't work. And uh, I finally 
listened to, I believe it was a podcast and it was about burnout. And it was one of those, it was exactly that conversation. It was, you know, that person's recipe for success is not necessarily yours. (laughs) You know, you have your own journey in your own lane. And that's when I just kind of stopped. I was like, okay, I I just, I've got to step back from all of this. I've got to start to hone my own voice and, and think about what I want and, and pay attention to things that matter to me. And I think that's how I ended up getting better quickly because it wasn't too bad of a ride as far as the burnout was concerned, maybe maybe a few months, but it was bad in that time. I mean, it was devastating mm-hmm. to think, I can't do this. I can't make stories. I can't, because I couldn't write. The creative well was just gone. And everything I tried, it was bad. And I would get to maybe 5,000 words and go, this is horrible and I don't have the energy for it. Mm-hmm. And so I thought it was all gone. And, um, and then I finally took a step back from it. And like I said earlier, I started reading. I just started reading in the genre. I, I wasn't trying to write anything. I wasn't trying to promote anything. I wasn't trying to, I really sort of disengaged even for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I just started reading, 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 reading. And that's when I found all these amazing authors and I thought, I, I want to be part of this community and I want to write these books. And and when it became clear to me why I wanted to write these books in this genre, I think that's when the veil sort of lifted for me. Why is that? I want to be part of positive, normalizing representation for everybody in that in this community Mm -hmm. i want i want it to be like i really truly believe in a a parent or a child coming home from school and telling his or her parents about the person they have a crush on and that person's gender not being important in the discussion at all Mm And that child's sexuality not being important <laughs> to the discussion at all. Um, not assuming that every child is is straight. Um, not assuming that every child is the gender they were assigned at, at birth. And and I feel like, although it's fiction, and, you know, I'm not going to win a Nobel Peace Prize for this, but I feel like we do good in the world, um, I feel like we create a place for people t- that they are accepted, um, a place for people to become allies. And the, one of my characters even says something to Marry Me, that when you, when you associate or, or, I don't know if associate is the right word, but when you feel connected to a character that is say let's say gay or bisexual or pansexual or transgender in a book when you love that character in a book or a tv show or a movie that translate that leads out into your real life then when you meet 
in real life, a person who is gay or bisexual or pan or transgender or what have you, you're going to feel a connection to that person too. And when you feel a connection to that person in real life, you're going to think about that when you vote, when you um, interact with other people, when you talk to your own children, you're going to, it's going to bleed over. Ideally, maybe I'm living in a fantasy world, but I don't think I am because I've seen plenty of reviews. I've, I've seen people say this opened my eyes or this made me feel seen or this made me, this helped me understand somebody else in my life. And they became an ally. Um, I've seen it help people identify themselves better. I've seen it help people who don't feel represented feel seen. And so I think that that's, amazing like I don't think there's a lot of I don't think there's a lot of good that I could do on a huge level right like I I don't lead protests or lead um, ally groups or do big things but I do small things and I think when lots of us do small things then bigger things come from that so that that is really my motivation for being in this genre Besides the obvious fact that it's, I could go on and on and on about why, what appeals to me about writing uh, about men in love, but the the bigger issue uh, or the bigger goal of mine is just participating in helping things be better and and brighter and normalized for everyone in that community. So let's talk about the week that you've had. Um, we are recording this on August 15th, 2020. Um, the second book in the Tattoos and Temptation series, Fix Me, just came out. And both the first two books in the series, Marry Me and Fix Me, are in the charts in a big way. Uh, I think you hit number one everywhere, and I think you were number one and number three at the same time in a bunch of places. And so <laughs> I just, um, what does that feel like, especially knowing that <laughs> just several months ago, you were in this place where you felt like, I don't even know if I should be doing this. I don't know if I even have what it takes. And then you have the the month that you've had. What is going through your head right now? <laughs> um. So I'm not going to lie, I cried um, when Fix Me hit number one in gay fiction, I or in gay romance, I cried because I just did not see that as being possible for me, uh, especially with so many acclaimed writers in this genre. Um, I, I, it was completely surreal. Um, I was working, I was at my day job and I, I got a message from, um, from Kyleen, from Cam Newhold and she said, you did it. And I, I was on, I was on a conference call and just about lost my mind. (laughs) Thank goodness for the mute button. Um, (laughs) cause I just, I just immediately went to Amazon and refreshed the page and went, Oh my God, I can't believe this happened. Um, so I was completely gobsmacked from, uh, by the way, I like to use, I like to use British slang sometimes, even though I'm clearly, <laughs> clearly <laughs> very American, but, um, I, I was absolutely floored that Mary Me was still on the charts mm-hmm. at, at all, 
when when Fix Me came out. So even that was a, a big deal for me. And then as my uh, first little daddy book started to climb the charts, I thought, well, you know, maybe. And And then when it happened, it was just this moment of, just pure elation and and shock in the best way and it and it felt good enough to make my uh my eyes tear up (laughs) i was so excited for you in that moment just like watching from the sidelines and hearing all of the backstory about the you know the compressed amount of time the scale from one end of the spectrum to the other that's happened for you this year it's like really exciting to um think about what that must feel like and you know congratulations um but one of the things that you had said to me about fix me which is the book that just came out you said it was your first daddy kink book and now, yeah. as a gay man, I have a lot of ideas about what daddies mean. <laughs> but sure. um, I'm wondering if, for those of us who've never read a daddy kink book before, um, yeah. kind of talk a little bit about what kind of book that is and why was why was it a process for you to kind of decide to write this kind of book? Sure. So I try to read everything every genre every subgenre every trope because i don't know if i like it if i don't read it right so i hovered in some of the mm uh, book rec groups and i would i would see recommendations or people requesting daddy kink books and i thought well, what is a daddy kink book like i knew what a conceptually what a sugar daddy was right but mm-hmm. i i didn't understand it on a broader scale or in an MM scale, I guess. I was like, is it just some guy, you know, buying him clothes or what is this? And so I started to dig into the most commonly wrecked ones and uh, and some not so commonly ones. I, you know, Amazon starts feeding you what you look at. So I just kept, you know, grabbing them. If I would see a post on Facebook that somebody was promoting one, I would be like, hey, let me try that one too. And so I found that it was sort of a, um, a difficult place for me because there are, there are, um, I guess it's a spectrum, right? Of like, there's sort of light, sort of daddy vibes. And then there's like the other end of the scale, which is maybe more into the regression or age play or, um, you know, the role-playing kind of stuff. And I was reading books that were sort of all over the place. And then I sort of found that I gravitated more towards the um, sort of, I call it like a sort of doting, nurturing daddy versus a very dominant um, BDSM style daddy. Mm -hmm. And that age play wasn't something that I would personally feel comfortable writing, although I did read some that were pretty hot. But, you know, for me, it was about what could I write that would be true to, you know, me and my skill set that would also sort of play into the daddy kink world. Because I wanted to write one, I I was very attracted to the idea of a, of a daddy, and I wouldn't mind having one in real life. <laughs> more of the <laughs> more of the saint. Um, saint is the main character yeah. in Fix Me more of the saint type of daddy. Um, 
I'm entirely too controlling of a person to have that in real life, but it's a fantasy. I would, I would take it. Um, <laughs> so I found that I wanted to create the type of daddy that did it for me. Um, but I wouldn't have been able to do that without consuming uh, the the Daddy Kink books that others have put out that you know were fascinating and uh, took me on all kinds of different adventures and ex- expanded my mind and my concept of of what that meant and uh, and then just clear as day Saint, Saint sort of spoke to me that you know yeah he he's the daddy and um, and that's how Fix Me happened. Awesome. Well, of course, we will link to these books so everybody can go and check them out. I'm Mia. Thank you for sharing your creativity and your motivation and some of your personal journey as an author. And I've absorbed so much great advice. Like I'm privately taking notes and some of the things that you said <laughs> that really resonated with me. Um, I know this information is really valuable to other writers to hear and um, and for the readers who are really curious about how you created these books. It's um, a lot of juicy uh, backstory. Uh, tell us where we can go to find you online and um, what book everyone should start with. Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm definitely on Facebook and I'm really easy to find. It's just Mia Monroe. And I'm on uh, I'm on Instagram. I don't I don't do a lot there, but I am trying to sort of build that up a little bit. So you can find me on on Instagram as well, and of course BookBub and Goodreads and all those good places. What's the name of your Facebook group? Mia's MM Maniacs, because I like alliteration. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got that MM uh, right there. I got there the on MM going there. Yep. Um, I did want to ask you this question, and I feel like you you kind of spoke about it earlier, so if you don't have anything extra to say about it, it's fine. But um, for the purposes of maybe getting another cool little moment out of you, um, what do you most hope that your books contribute to the people who read them? For for me, we did talk about the overarching um, goal that I like that I believe in earlier, but really, especially right now in the time of COVID and Black Lives Matter and uh, election year that has been interesting to say the least, I think that the reason why many of us read is to escape all of that for a little while and get lost in a different world and where none of this exists. (laughs) Um, So for me, my books, don't have any elements of real life in them, meaning current events. And so I hope that anybody p- who picks up a book of mine just has at least those those two or three or four hours, depending on how fast you read, where you know all your stress is gone and you just get to experience love through these characters' eyes and really have have a moment of of joy and happiness in in a chaotic world awesome mia thank you so much for taking this time to speak with me it's my absolute pleasure
Thanks again for listening to GayRomance.show, the MM Author Podcast. You can subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever app you prefer. For show notes and links to the websites and books we mentioned, please go to GayRomance.show. You can also find me at SlayJames.com. And I'll talk to you later.